Hello everybody, this is our ninth sermon looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're looking at Matthew 7 verses 7 to 12 and the topic is how to live with balance. I wonder how many of us know what a paradox is. If we look up the word paradox in a dictionary we will find the following definition. A paradox is a statement that contains two apparent truths which, when held together, seem to contradict one another. A paradox, then, at first glance, seems absurd and conflicting, but often it can lead us to some profound realisations. Some of us are still looking a little blank. So let me give some examples from real life, which is an easy thing to do because life is full of paradoxes. Just think about some of these that were actually said to me by my parents as I was growing up. Andrew, you must stand up for yourself against the bullies in the playground. But don't fight back. That only makes matters worse. Andrew, get away from the water. You must not go near water until you've learnt how to swim. Andrew, get upstairs and start revising. You must work hard for your exams. They're important. Then an hour later, Andrew, come down and have a break. You mustn't work too hard or you won't achieve your best. Andrew, you have an important interview next week. Go out and buy a new suit. You must dress well and prepare well to impress the interviewer. But don't try too hard to impress them. Just be yourself. They'll be looking for integrity. Andrew, we do realise that as an adolescent teenager, you want to get a girlfriend... But the best way to get a girlfriend is to be happy on your own without one. Wow, I've just made my parents out to sound really nagging, haven't I? That's not true. They were and still are wonderful people. And I'm sure that many of the parents listening to this recognise saying something similar to those things to their children. Growing up is a minefield, isn't it? It's amazing that any of us make it to adulthood unscathed. Now, when we are faced with one of these paradox statements, our tendency is to cling to one side of the opposite truths and ignore the other. Because really, we struggle to grasp how both can be true at the same time. Paradoxes make our heads spin just thinking about them. But of course, to grow up is to learn to live with both, finding the balance between the two truths. We become mature when we learn that life is demanding and that we will continually have to think and weigh up our thoughts and actions. We can finally consider ourselves an adult when we have realised that we will always need to be seeking wisdom to guide us on our journey through life. Paradoxes are then important. They stop us from living with one-sided extreme views They stop us from living in an unthinking slapdash manner or with an arrogant self-dependence. Paradoxes help us to grow up. They help us to live with balance. Now, some of us may still be sitting here thinking, I get what a paradox is, but why is Andrew banging on about them? Well, the reason is this. When we stop to think about it, we soon realise that Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount is full of paradoxes. Just think of some of these that we've read so far. 
In Matthew 5:16, Jesus says this, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But then, just a few verses later, in verse 1 of chapter 6, Jesus said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What on earth is going on there? Jesus wants us to be as different as light from dark, so the world sees us and takes notice. Yet he does not want us to perform religious acts in order to gain attention. Those two statements seem literally the opposite of each other. Yet, of course, when we reflect more deeply, the seeming absurdity of the contradiction breaks way to a profound realisation. Jesus wants us to be courageous in our witness to the world, but to have an attractive humility about us. We're to avoid both cowardice and vanity. Let's go on to another. In Matthew 6, 25-34, Jesus taught us not to be anxious about what we eat or drink. Yet in other places in Scripture, we're taught to be careful stewards of what we have. This paradox teaches us to trust God to care for us, but to take responsibility for using the gifts he has bestowed upon us well. What about this for another? The Apostle Paul tells us that we're saved by faith, not works. Yet Jesus in this sermon taught us that we must tirelessly press on to change our behaviour and our attitudes, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. This paradox teaches us about the assurance that comes from the cross and God's grace, but then how knowledge of our salvation must become the motive for our living. Are we beginning to get the idea? Let's look at one final example, perhaps the clearest of all, and it came in our reading last week, the passage directly before this one today. In verses 1 to 5 of chapter 7, Jesus taught us that we must not judge others, for when we do, we become hypocrites. However, in the very next verse, verse 6, Jesus tells us that we must be wisely discerning about the nature of those whom we seek to share the gospel with. We must be aware of the danger of wild dogs and pigs. In other words, we are to go to great lengths to love our enemies, but we are to be wary of those who are a danger to the most vulnerable in our community. Now again, let's be clear, all of the seemingly contradictory statements in those four paradoxes that I've just mentioned from this great sermon are true. This is why we really need to think when we read scripture. We can't just pick out verses as proof texts, otherwise we could make the Bible say whatever we wanted it to. Imagine what would happen if the only verse I ever preached on was about not giving what was sacred to dogs and pigs. We would soon be a community of bigots, completely shut off from the wider world. Now we must read the whole of scripture and learn to live within the tension it contains. We must learn to live with balance. For this is what Jesus really wants. When he teaches in his way, he knows exactly what he is doing. Jesus hasn't gone mad, as some of his hearers suspected. He was not a fool who contradicted himself and therefore should be ignored. Instead, he's doing something sublime. 
Jesus is doing for us, his followers, exactly what my parents tried to do for me when growing up, only much better. He's helping us to become mature, to become well-rounded kingdom people. In life, Jesus wants us always to remain humble, to keep thinking, to keep looking for guidance and to seek wisdom from godly sources beyond ourselves. With that explanation complete, now we can turn to this week's passage. For it's precisely because Jesus has just set up a challenging paradox that he includes this short block of teaching at this point in his sermon. If we were reading the Sermon on the Mount through from start to finish for the first time, it all flows very smoothly until you get to verse 7 of chapter 7. Then it jars. At first glance, our reading today does not fit at all with the material that immediately precedes it. But if we understand Jesus to be breaking off and giving a short instruction on how the disciples can begin to find the balance in life that he has indicated they will need, suddenly these six short verses make sense. I like to imagine the disciples' faces as Jesus was teaching. As he taught them about not judging others, they would have looked challenged, but would probably have been nodding gently with agreement. But when he then followed that with his line about discerning who the pigs and dogs are in society and staying away from them, the disciples' faces must have turned to absolute bafflement. They must have looked utterly confused, rather like we all did when we read that passage last week. And Jesus must have seen this and realised that he needed to give his followers some extra help. He knew the instruction that he had given was difficult to understand and even harder to live out, So he stops to give two bits of very practical advice. First, our life will have balance to it when we learn to depend totally upon God in prayer. He is, after all, the one constant in our constantly changing world. Whenever we are confused, whenever we need help to know what to do in any given situation, we can go to God in prayer for guidance. The second piece of practical advice is this. As disciples, we must learn to live with the commitment to benefit others. If we are unsure how to behave in a certain situation, we should think about how we ourselves would like to be treated and go ahead and treat the others involved in the same way. Jesus really believes that if we resort to prayer and seeking to bless others, we will navigate our way through all the difficult issues we come across in our fallen world. Through prayer and an ongoing commitment to others, we will reach maturity. Let's very briefly consider these two points in turn before ending with some final examples of where this teaching might be useful. So the disciples are bewildered. As they live in the world, they must not judge others, yet they must discern people's true nature. They must live as light so the world can see, yet hide their good deeds. Just how are they to begin living this life of seeming contradiction? Well, Jesus says they must pray. If they want to live well, they must pray. If they want advice, they must pray. If they want to know the Father's will for any given situation, they must pray. And often... Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
like little children going to their parents for help in time of need. The disciples are to go to their Father in heaven and ask for assistance. But more than that, they are to seek. They are to determinedly go to God and seek his guidance and help. When faced with a troubling scenario where they don't know what to do, they are to prayerfully read scripture and prayerfully reflect with one another. They are to actively seek God's wisdom. Yet more than that, they're also to knock. When struggling, when in a time of trial, disciples are to keep knocking on the door of heaven with perseverance and persistence. We are to continually ask our Father to supply our needs, to guide us into his will. We are never to give up, but energetically keep praying, keep expecting God to answer. And Jesus encourages us that this will indeed happen. To those who ask, help is given. To those who seek, wisdom will be found. To those who knock, the door to understanding will be opened. In verses 9 to 11, Jesus backs up this point by arguing from a human illustration to a divine truth. If a human parent, when asked, will do the best to fulfil their child's needs, how much more will our Father in heaven? After all, our Father in heaven is perfectly holy and not tainted by the sin that all human parents are. Now, this does not mean that we will receive exactly what we ask for in prayer immediately. Neither does it mean that all of our confusion on how to act in any given situation will be immediately dispelled. Prayer will always remain a mystery. But Jesus wants us to know that if we are sincere in seeking God's will when facing a difficult situation, he will make it known. After giving his encouragement to pray, Jesus then goes on to give his second piece of advice. As Jesus begins to draw his Sermon on the Mount to a close, he distills everything down to one precept, one guide for life. When faced with uncertainty, the golden rule for living is this. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For Jesus, this doing to others as you would have them do to you sums up all of the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament. Doing to others as you would have them do to you is the fitting conclusion to all his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. This golden rule is nothing short of the essence of God's will for his people. This is how his disciples will shine like a light. This is how they will be salt of the earth. This is how they will become perfect like their heavenly father is perfect by doing to others as you would have them do to you. In this one rule, we find the liberating basis for all personal and communal life. As we live in this world with all its challenges, when we find ourselves struggling to know what the right thing to do is, this is it. We should think, what would we like someone to do for us if we were in that situation? And then we should go and do it for them. This is how to live a life of love for God and neighbour. This is how to unleash the power of God's grace and mercy into the world. If we really took this teaching seriously, we would stop being mean and start being generous. We would never be harsh, but always understanding. We would never be cruel, but always kind, even if the other person did not seemingly deserve it. After all, to treat others as we would want to be treated is exactly what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross and died in our place. 
So Jesus really believes that if we do these two things, pray and consistently seek to bless others, it will transform the way we react to the difficulty. I want to close with some examples of where this teaching might really hit the road for us today. There is no doubt that we're being called to live a life of discipleship in a world where difficult choices and difficult ethical decisions are having to be made all the time. Human life is not yet how God intends it to be. Therefore, the situations we find ourselves in are never black and white. Instead, they're made up of multiple shades of grey. How are we as Christians to navigate our way through this? How are we to grow up to maturity like Jesus? How are we to shine like a light and bless others? As the upcoming election approaches, one where independence will again be high on the agenda, can we all make the conscious decision to pray about how we should be voting? And when we come across people who think differently to us, can we make sure we continue to treat them as we would want to be treated? We live in a world where debates around gender and sexuality are high on the agenda. These are issues that are emotive, complex, and ones that which Christians are increasingly divided upon. Can we commit to praying to God and asking him to show us how he wants us to respond? And as we meet people who struggle with their sexuality, can we stop and think, if we were in their situation, how would we like to be treated? These ethical decisions go on and on, and in our post-Christendom world are only going to increase. How should we respond to nuclear weapons, gene technology developments, immigration, the refugee crisis, people of other faiths? These are all massively complicated issues, yet many of them touch us in some way. Our young people are certainly asking about them on Thursday nights. How are we going to respond? How are we going to live not judging, yet discerning truth? I would suggest we need to follow Jesus' advice. We need to pray and pray again. Ask, seek, knock in private and in corporate prayer with our Bibles open. And in every situation we are to think, if we were the person that we are tempted to dictate our opinions to, how would we like to be treated? And when we realise that we would all appreciate being shown some grace, we then need to show it. Prayer and the golden rule. This is how to live with balance. This is how to grow up and live for Jesus in all the complexity of modern life.